So when my husband was speaking at his memorial, he was made a very wonderful speech. And one of the things he said is he will not say no. And that's what Troy taught us. It's not for us to say no. You know, when God kicks that little voice and tells you to move in a certain way, you just say yes, and you do what you need to do. And he's in charge, and he's got so many plans for us. Hello and welcome to Patio Talk Podcast. I am one of the hosts of this here show. My name is David. On Patio Talk Podcast, we believe everyone has a story and we want to hear it. Normally, at this time, you would hear my beautiful co-host, Cindy. However, Cindy's not with me for the intro because she has been working really late, some long hours this week. Earlier this week, around Tuesday morning, early Tuesday morning, almost a little after midnight on Monday night, There was some severe weather that hit Middle Tennessee. It hit Nashville. There are some neighborhoods in Nashville that are totally devastated by this. There are also neighborhoods just right to the east of Nashville that have been totally devastated as well. Mount Juliet area, Cookville area. So there's many, many people who have been displaced. Their homes are destroyed. However, there are some folks who have lost loved ones. There have been fatalities with this storm line folks these tornadoes hit the ground and they ran over 50 miles and they were strong it's a very horrific sight to see what's going on i'm very proud to say that i live in the volunteer state there have been many people step up and volunteer many hands make light work and there are many people who have stepped up and said we want to help and over the past few days you have got to see the beautiful reality of people coming together to help others who they don't know to say, look, we love you. We love you. You're our neighbors and we love you and we're going to take care of you. We're going to help you as much as we possibly can. We can't do everything, but we're going to do the best we possibly can. It's such a beautiful sight to see. You're going to hear a story today from our friend, Laura. Laura has done just that. She does what she can. She has a, she, she has so many children that it's it's crazy. You're going to get to hear how many children she has, and it's a wonderful story. Laura steps in and does what she can. And here's the beautiful thing about it. She says, yes, Lord, I'm obedient. You'll get to hear more of that in just a few minutes as you dive into Laura's story. So we're not going to waste a lot of your time. Now, I will tell you that we did this interview by phone, so some of the audio may not be great. But bear with us, because her story is so fascinating that I'm sure you're going to love it, no matter what the sound quality is. Hopefully, Cindy will be home in enough time to record the outro with me. We love you guys, and we hope you enjoy Laura's story. Well, welcome to our patio, Laura. We're so glad to have you on Patio Talk with us this week. Well, thank you for having me. So we always like to start out with our guest by doing a little getting to know our guest segment. And so I've got a few little random questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. No right or wrong answer. It's just whatever you want (laughs) to, whatever you, how you want to answer. Introvert or extrovert? Uh, I'd always say I'm an introverted extrovert. Kind of a lot of those folks on our (laughs) talk discussion page, a lot of folks are saying they're, they are, they are an introverted extrovert. (laughs) (laughs) It's, I think we can be extroverted and people, assume we are but we'd rather be 
by ourselves. <laughs> exactly. Like you're drained mm-hmm. completely after being around a group of people. I call it my closet yeah. time. I have to go like retreat away and be by myself and, and recharge. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So the next one is um, maybe you've heard us reference that I'm a crock pot and David's an instant pot and how we kind of process our thoughts and so forth. So which one would you say you are? I'm more of an Instapot. Okay. All right. Instapot stick together. (laughs) (laughs) Drives my husband crazy. He's a crock pot. It drives Cindy crazy. (laughs) She's a crock pot. (laughs) If you could live anywhere, where would it be? Right where I am. Can you tell our listeners where that is? Um, I live in the northern part of Washington State, uh, about 30 minutes from the Canadian border in a small town called Ferndale. And we have five and a half acres, no neighbors. It's just a wonderful place to live and raise kids. Well, that sounds extraordinary. Yes, it does. I, I you love have to not find the rain, though. <laughs> well, that's true. But I, I do love the Pacific Northwest. Like when I get to travel oh. out there, I love it. It's just the greenery out there is so different than it is here in Tennessee. And I just, I just fall in love with it every time I go there. Oh, me too. I just love it here. So what would you sing at karaoke night? Oh, my goodness. Um, something I hopefully know the words to, and I'm just drawing a blank. The good thing um, about karaoke is they'll give you the words, usually. <laughs> that, yeah. yeah, but then you've got to read them, and the music never sounds the same as it did when you're listening to it on the radio. <laughs> True. And you always have to watch who you go after. You never want to go after that person who just blows it out of the water. You always will sit oh. back and go, no, no, no. we got to wait till the, the guy gets up there that can't sing at all. Then I'll go after him because... I can't sing at all. Yeah, that's pretty much me. <laughs> that's exactly who I am. I can't think of a song. I, okay, well, if it comes to you that's later. That's, of course, my the, problem with karaoke, too, is I can't ever think of what song I want to sing. I go through the book, and the night's over by the time I figure out what I'm going to sing. Well, see, though, that sounds like a crock pot instead of an Instapot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just because I'm not remembering lyrics. It's a memory thing. It gotcha. could, could okay. be the introverted extrovert type thing <laughs> as well. Yep, yep. Would you rather read a book or watch a movie? Oh, watch a movie. And let's see. Who would you name as your partner in crime? Oh, my goodness. That's a good one. I'd have to say one of my dearest best friends, Portia. Okay. Ah, there we yeah. go. So people need to watch out when you guys are together then, huh? Uh, more so when we were younger. Not so much now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, we've done quite a few adventures together. So how many children do you have? Eight Eight children. Eight children. And Mm -hmm. so what is the oldest age and the youngest? Um, My oldest are girls and they're 34. Twins? No. 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 um, There's there's an added daughter and then my biologic daughter. Oh. And they're three months apart. Yeah. Wow. Three months. So basically twins. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) They look nothing alike. Um, Yeah, so then I have sons that are 25 and 24. And then at home, we have three five-year-olds. And um, we just lost our our fourth five-year-old. Wow. House full for sure. Yes. Uh, Do you have grandchildren? Oh, I do. I have five grandchildren. Wow. They're not all five-year-olds, are they? No, they're older than my kids. Oh, okay. <laughs> my, my granddaughter will be 16 in May. 
Um, then I have a 14-year-old grandson, a 13-year-old grandson, a 10-year-old grandson, and then a three-year-old granddaughter. Wow. Wow, that's very impressive. <laughs> Do all of your children and grandchildren live close to you? All but one, well, all but one daughter and her two kids live in North Carolina, the, and everybody else is local. All the way on the East Coast. Yep. All right, Laura, so you're with us today to share your story, and before we dive into that, I'd like to read something from your Facebook post on December 31st, um, when we were heading into the new year, mm-hmm. I think will be a great um, way to lead into your story. So Okay. So it says, 2019 has been a year of immeasurable joy and devastating grief. We met our beautiful daughter, learned and are still learning how to do a nonprofit, traveled to Ethiopia twice and Colombia once, lived in a construction zone with four four-year-olds, and welcomed family and friends into our completed home, said goodbye to our angel, our forever baby boy, Troy, Thank you, God, for all the lessons and gifts of 2019. I'm sure 2020 will not disappoint. Yep. So the, Laura, yeah, that's a lot year. packed into one year. <laughs> it was. I started, to, I started to ask you in our getting to know you questions, because sometimes we ask about if you had a superpower, what would it be? And I chose not to ask you that because it's pretty evident in reading that post and what little bit I already know about you is, that you have one of the greatest superpowers of all, and that's all very obvious is to love. Um, yeah. So I can't wait to hear your path that led you to where you are presently. Oh, there's, okay. There's so much to talk about. You have bio children, adopted children, special needs children, angel children, grandchildren, and orphaned children. Yes. Why don't you start us out with the beginning of your journey of becoming a mama and growing into caring for so many others? Well, I became a mom when I was 19 years old. I was pregnant before I graduated high school, welcomed my daughter in December 18th, 1985. She was born. She was an only child for quite a while. Um, I had a few failed marriages during that time. And then I met her father and my other daughter's biologic father, Um, my obviously my birth daughter's stepfather, who then later adopted her. And had two sons with him. And we were married for 13 years. We lived all around Whatcom County up in Washington State and about 10 years on Orcas Island. My ex-husband was a drinker and there was a lot of issues with that. And so after 13 years, we just decided to part ways. It wasn't how I wanted to keep living my life. And I didn't want my kids just to think that was the only way to live their life. So. We parted ways. Um, We still talk. He's a nice guy. The kids love their father. But that was just the end of that time of our life. While I was on Orcas Island, I met my now husband. Funny thing is, I met him while I was married. And he was probably 21. I'm nine years older than he is. And I just thought, oh, he's a cute kid. (laughs) 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 Does he like to hear you say that? Oh, yeah, <laughs> which is I'd say it more now. Um, so uh, we've been married for years this March, and um, we we had known each other because we were both volunteers at the fire department. I was working as a nurse on the island and volunteered at EMT. 
and he was a volunteer firefighter. So we knew each other socially, saw each other at a picnic, and I was legally separated from my husband, working on the divorce, and we just started talking, ended up dating, and engaged the day my divorce was final, (laughs) which made my mom laugh. (laughs) Felt the ink not being dry. But we have a saying on over the islands, you know, there's everybody knows everybody and you don't have a lot to pick from. So when you find somebody, you, you go. You, you go. You make a go of it. <laughs> you just grab on. <laughs> you don't let go. <laughs> so, yeah, my husband uh, is a fireman. We moved off of Orcas Island and back into Whatcom County where I grew up. We had talked about wanting to have kids. He is an only child adopted himself. And I had four children at the time. I was just, you know, probably not a spring chicken. I was 40 when we got married. You know, it wasn't really in the cards for me to have a baby. And so we kind of talked about adoption. And that conversation went on for, gosh, three plus years before he finally decided, yeah, that was what he really wanted to do. So so when you say it was three plus years before he decided that's really what he, he wanted to do. Yeah, being adopted, he... You would think he'd be like, yeah, let's adopt. And he was like, oh, I want my own kid. So, you know, it, we, well, that wasn't going to happen. And, you know, not him as in mine, at least. You know, there's all sorts of medical things they could do. But um, we decided to go ahead and pursue adoption. So we got in contact with a social worker in town. And she did our home study. And at that time, we were looking at domestic infant, infant adoption. Mm-hmm. And um, she just told us. Laura's, you know, not too young, and she's not going to be probably what somebody would pick for infant adoption. Um, they want the moms younger. How did that make so, you feel, Laura, hearing that? Um, kind of perturbed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I kind of thought, you know, you wouldn't have wanted me really to be your kid's mother when I was young. <laughs> now I have experience and patience. Right. And, you know, I've been there. I know what I'm doing. But, you know, it's kind of what it was. And my husband had a kind of a heart for international adoption and was kind of thinking Ethiopia and then thought he wanted to do Haiti and looked into the Haiti program and we were told by our agency that we could do Haiti but there's a lot of roadblocks and they highly recommended Ethiopia. So um, 2015 we started our journey of international adoption for Ethiopia. Went in and sat with the social worker at our agency, local agency who did the international adoption, and proceeded to tell her what we wanted and what we didn't want. And we said we wanted a girl and we wanted no special needs. Absolutely no special Being from the medical field, I just knew what that entailed. My husband being basically in the medical field knew. And so we just knew that we did not want special needs and he had just gotten done raising my boys, who were 10 and 11 when we got married. So he had like a couple years of decent boys until he turned into horrible teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> he did not want boys. Yeah, we're living <laughs> no. in that right now. We're living that world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, where did my sweet boy go? Trust me, it come back. <laughs> it gets better. 34 is a good age. It gives you hope, um, Yes, you it gives me hope. <laughs> So, um, you know, we decided and we got matched with a little girl in Ethiopia. We got like one picture and we kept getting the same update, same weight, same size, same everything. And I, was, I kept calling the agency. This doesn't match. 
this kid can't still be that size, you know, it doesn't make sense for the age she's supposed to be. And so they sent their workers to go to the orphanage to find out what was going on. Well, our agency in country in Ethiopia went there. The director of that orphanage was in jail. Wow. Um, yeah, he had been, um, what they think, multiple matching children with agencies. Hmm. So he would get in as much money as he could, and then he would say the parents came and got the child. So that little girl was just gone. Nobody really knew what happened. So we were kind of heartbroken, thinking, oh, we've got to start all over again, you know. And that was a Friday we got that phone call. And Monday morning, I'm driving downtown by my home, and the phone rings, and I answer it in the car speaker. Um, it's our social worker at the agency. She goes, um, how would you feel about two kids? I said, sure. She goes, how about boys? I'm like, okay. She goes, how about twin boys? And I'm like, sure. And she goes, is Matt going to be okay? And I said, yeah, I'll tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him he's going to be okay. <laughs> and he says, that's pretty much how all relationships go. <laughs> he finds out after that. Yes. So, um, you know, we got matched. In the meanwhile, that we were... Um, doing this international journey um about the same time we were matched with our twins we became licensed foster parents and again just looking for that little girl that's all we wanted right and um we i got a right there's like a emails that go out to foster parents so it kind of describes the kids that need a placement and i see eight week baby boy with seizure disorder and a five-year-old sister. And I just heard God say, answer that email. And I'm thinking, really? And I'm just, again, you know, answer that email. So I did. And they went ahead and placed us. My husband got from work that morning, and I said, oh, we're going to go pick up a baby boy. Oh, <laughs> wow. Said, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. So we picked up Troy and sister <clears throat> from the office. Um Within the first 24 hours, we were in the emergency room with the little baby that could not stop having seizures. He was just seizing and seizing and seizing. Mm. Troy was later found to have a genetic disorder called CDKL5 mutation um, that caused it difficulty in feeding and getting his weight up. And so that's kind of how CPS got involved. Um, his mom was not a bad person. She was a good person loved her kids. She just wasn't equipped to take care of him and his needs. We developed a great relationship with her. Even after we adopted him, she would come and visit. We had an open adoption with her. Um, great gal. Really great gal. It's like, I want to make clear that she did nothing that, you know, she wasn't bad. She wasn't a bad mom. She just was young and she just wasn't equipped mm -hmm. to take care of him with his needs. We instantly fell in love with this little boy. And I think that was just prior to saying yes to the twins, because that just kind of made me say, yeah, we could do boys. Um, he opened our eyes and our hearts from not wanting boys, not wanting special needs. Here we had a little boy that couldn't lift his own head, even at when he passed away just before he turned five. Couldn't hold his own head up, couldn't sit up, couldn't talk, um, had a disorder, seizure disorder, so he had anywhere from, oh, Five to 30 seizures a day. He wow. was tube fed. He was on oxygen towards the end. Um, lots and lots of things going on, but just the biggest ray of sunshine in our lives. 
Definitely. And he just opened the doors for everything else. In 2017, I believe, we went to Ethiopia, met our twins at their orphanage, Newman, which you guys are familiar with. Very familiar. (laughs) And we met um, Indali, the director of the orphanage at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, We met Misa, who was a nanny that just adored my boys. And Wakwa is another nanny that's still there today. We met them, and I just instantly hit it off with Indali. He's just the neatest guy, very soft-spoken. He is such a good man and a man of God. I mean, he is his faith is amazing. Yes, we can tell that with what little bit of interaction. We unfortunately didn't get to meet him when we went to Ethiopia. Uh, We didn't get taken to the orphanage, so that's... That was disappointing for us, Very. for sure. So we were thankful oh, just a couple of years ago um, to be able to connect with him. Yeah. And so just through emails and Facebook, uh, we've gotten to know him that well, but can can tell the same of him and, and hope that someday we can make it there to actually meet him. Yes, we want to. Oh, he would love it. <laughs> he just loves it when people come back. He really does. He like I mean, These children are his children. He has never kept them like orphans. The kids are, they're, they have a family there, you know, it may be an orphanage style family, but it's family. Yeah, we can, we can see that in the way, with the post that he has and what you've been able to post, we can, we can actually see that. So it's very, it's given us a lot of hope being able to yeah. watch you over there and what Indali puts on uh, Facebook as well. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's a great guy. I can't sing his praises enough. <laughs> he's great amazing. Guy. So, yeah, we traveled Ethiopia, picked up our twins. That was my first time ever traveling outside of the continental United States. You know, I've been to Canada, but that didn't work out. Yeah, you live pretty um, close to Canada, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like being at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'd never really done anything like that. And it was way out of my comfort zone. Um, my husband. I can totally relate. <laughs> yeah, he stayed with me for the first part. But then he had to get home to take care of our son, Troy, because he just had too many medical needs to leave him for three weeks. So I spent two weeks there with my niece helping me chase twin 18-month-olds. <laughs> Um, in a hotel room that they managed to break something every single day. No. Uh, you know, that was how <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I didn't get to go out much. We, you know, we did some shopping. We did some, you know, sightseeing, but didn't get to go out much. And was really eager to get going home by the time that time arrived. Just like head deep into toys. And let me tell you, my, my sons are 13 months apart and my daughter's two months apart. And I thought I knew what twins was going to be like. I had no clue what twins were. <laughs> <laughs> I think the first week they were home, they broke their bedroom window. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> At 18 months. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, they still don't have those blocks. <laughs> They're five. Yeah, so uh, very energetic. Lots of, um, you know, kids that come from trauma. and It doesn't matter how good the places that they came from. As you guys know, there's trauma. You lose a parent, that's trauma. Yes. Um, you know, you, you lose your country of origin and your primary caregivers, that's trauma. Yes. Very much. And it manifests in all sorts of ways. Yeah, we've been learning and dealing with that. And a year ago, we decided to adopt again. And we found a little girl in Colombia. Um, she was noted to be um, nonverbal, hydrocephaly, tube fed. 
in non-ambulatory. And we decided, you know, we can do this. We're going we're gonna to adopt this girl. Well, Colombia works a little different than Ethiopia, where Ethiopia, as you guys probably remember, you get all those updates mm-hmm. and you get pictures and you kind of see where your kid's at and what's going on. Colombia doesn't do that. You see a picture when you're matched. You get a file when you're matched. But then until they say you can adopt, which can be anywhere from eight to ten months later, you do not, you do not get to um, see or have an update. Well, that we takes got an great update. faith and waiting for that. I just <laughs> yeah, can't imagine. Right? <laughs> so we get this update, and she's holding a bun, and she's standing. I'm like, well, okay, she looks kind of ambulatory. She's eating by mouth, obviously, or she's just holding a bun. So you know, we kind of okay. Well, we'll see how it goes. And we didn't get much more than that in the the file. Didn't have much more information. If we get to Columbia and she's walking, she's talking, she's trying to run. Um, at three, she decided she was going to walk, and at three, she decided she was going to talk. We picked her up when she was four and a half. Wow, wow. that's amazing. Praise yes. God, that is, yeah, yeah this, this little girl, you know, I can't really go into her story because it's her story, mm-hmm. but um, I can say that she was born prematurely, not in the hospital. Um, she was about six months gestation. She had a grade four brain hemorrhage at birth. Um, they, when we left Columbia, the doctor who did her physical for her visa told me, he said, she shouldn't be talking, she shouldn't be walking, and the fact she is, she's going to be fine. And she's just proven herself to be quite the firecracker. Um, just, I've tiny. got chills, Laura. That's just amazing. Like, Oh, it, just... it, it is. It gives me goosebumps. She's, she's totally my superhero. You know, um, she is an amazing little girl. She didn't speak a word of English. In fact, she'd yell at me in Colombia because, again, I got <laughs> by myself in a country. <laughs> well, my husband went home to take care of him, um, and I didn't speak Spanish. I mean, I just don't speak Spanish. So I followed her around with the translation app trying to get her to listen to me, and she'd just scream at me and yell at me. <laughs> like, okay, well, this should be fun. So, um, you know, we... We did a lot of shopping, walking around in the mall that was close to the hotel that we were in the last week in Bogota. Um, came home on the airplane, kind of, you know, giving me side eye the whole time. Not sure about this woman that couldn't speak Spanish. We get home the end of May. By mid-June, she's speaking English. Oh, yeah. Yeah, perfect English. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah. Now she won't even speak Spanish. She won't let us speak Spanish to her. So she's been home since, yeah, since um, the beginning of June, end of May of this last summer. And we had, oh, like my thing said, big remodel. just huge. We lived out of our bedroom basically for six months. So that's oh, a whole wow. different podcast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, so oh, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong. So she was four when you brought her home? Yes, she was four and a half. She turned five in um, July. So she was almost five when we brought her home. So that, that's very similar to our story with our son from Ethiopia. He was uh-huh. four and a half, couldn't speak English. So, yeah, we can totally relate to yeah. that. Two, uh, two months he's speaking yeah, English. Like a light switch. Isn't that crazy? It is. It's amazing how resilient these kids are. Oh, yeah, it, it really is. It they really pick, up, really they is. pick it up so fast, especially at that age, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that we, we always kid around that, our son learned to speak English watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. 
Yeah. He loved to watch Mickey <laughs> Mouse Clubhouse and Little Einsteins. He didn't understand <laughs> it at first, but man, in two months he was speaking perfect English. Oh, and lots great. of charades. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. So that's kind of um, like my story of adoption. Right now we're kind of hoping to adopt two more into our fold. There are two kiddos that are legally free in the foster care system locally that we're sending in applications to try to adopt them as well. They're 11 and 5, a boy and a girl. Wow. I really hit that nail on the head there with your superpower for sure. Yeah. You and your husband both. I just think that's amazing. You know, and uh, when our son passed away, Troy, when he passed away just before Thanksgiving, um, it was expected. He was never supposed to live. We kept being told the whole time he was an infant that he was going to die. So when he did pass away, of course, we're very sad that he's gone, but it wasn't like unexpected. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like having a healthy child and having something horrible happen. So when my husband was speaking at his memorial, he was made a very wonderful speech. And one of the things he said is, he will not say no. And that's what Troy taught us. It's not for us to say no. You know, when God kicks that little voice and tells you to move in a certain way, you just say yes, and you do what you need to do. And he's in charge, and he's got so many plans for us. Just amazing. It is, and he he will equip you for it. And oh, you're a great example of that. <laughs> no, bind you. I do lose my mind. Well, sure, <laughs> sure you'd be do. human if you didn't. <laughs> no hidden cameras in my house, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, oh. so that's my adoption. Basically, our adoption story. So your husband's name is Matt, correct? Yes. During the service for Troy, that's when he said, I will not say no. Mm-hmm. We're not going to say no. Yes. That really gets to me. That really gave me chills when you said that. That's just a direct obedience. When you said yes, that was God saying, okay, here we go. And the journey's not going to stop until he says so. Yes, right. And I'm, man, I'm just excited just listening to that. One of the things we love about doing this podcast is we know certain things about people just because we're acquaintances or Mm -hmm. friends on Facebook or you see someone doing something. But what we really love to do is to get in and hear your story. We're never not blown away. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so far already you've you've blown me away and we haven't even got into what you're wanting to do with, uh, with Ethiopia and Newman. Well, I'd like to say, you know, um, and you as, you know, being adopted parents yourself, one of the things we hate to hear is people say, oh, you're a saint. Right. Yep, we don't. Right. Yep. No, no, we're not saints. <laughs> you're obedient. We're obedient. Yes, exactly. We're just obedient. Anybody can be obedient. You just need to say yes. Exactly. Exactly. Say yes and trust he'll take care of the rest. And exactly. he always does. Yeah. It took me about almost four years to say yes. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Cindy was wanting to do it to d- uh, adopt domestically. Um, mm-hmm. The city had never flown. No. Never oh, flown. Never flown. <laughs> no. And you talked to me. <laughs> so, so yeah, it, God worked it out for Cindy to go on a mission trip with me where she had to fly, had to leave uh-huh. the country. And so we left the country in 2009. To Costa Rica, only yeah. an hour and a half flight yeah. from Atlanta. Yeah. It so. was not a big deal like flying to Africa twice. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, very similar. And later in 2009, I said yes. I mean, Cindy just basically told me, kind of like what you told Matt, she kind of told me, it's time. And I said, okay. (laughs) And when I said international, he knew it was God speaking through me. Yeah, I did. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> he knew I was terrified of that. Because, you know, we had a daughter at that time that was, she was, what, 11-ish, 12-ish, somewhere around there when we started the process. Mm-hmm. And the idea of leaving her behind and just all sorts of things. And he knew when I said, it's time and it's international, that, that something was up, that he better pay attention. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you said yes, and you answered that call, and sometimes it's the most uncomfortable place he puts us when he wants to do big things. Ugh. Maybe Cindy talked about this at the beginning. I don't know. I've, I've just been so fascinated with your story. We um, come to know you through Newman Orphanage, and mm-hmm. uh, at the time, we were trying to raise some funds for Newman, and you reached out, and you donated through what we were trying to do to help, and you right away said, we need to start a, a nonprofit. So uh-huh. walk us through, walk us through how how that came about. Well, shortly after we got home, um, the like about six to eight months after we were home, the adoption was really getting difficult there. Um, not on their side as much as um, our side, getting just documents and you know people were ending up having to leave their kids, like you had to leave your son, mm-hmm. um, and then not know when they were coming back to pick them up, so it was really heart-wrenching. So in 2018, Ethiopia officially shut down international adoption. Um, so that was the official date of them saying no more. When that happened, a lot of orphanages, as you know, are private in Ethiopia. Mm-hmm. There's a few government orphanages, not all, but most are very not very pleasant places. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend in Ethiopia, Yosef, has told me that at least 10 children a day die in the, in the government orphanages in the capital. Um, so it's, it's very grim. Um, some of the orphanages that were just dependent on adoption dollars had to close, which just orphaned children in another way completely. Everything they knew was taken away. Street children in Addis it increased greatly. Um, they were sleeping in those little triangles in the middle of the road, mm-hmm. piled up together. It was just gut-wrenching. Um, I was in communication with Ntali, you know, trying to help him when I could, and he was just, he was, oh, man, he didn't know what he was going to do. Um, he didn't have money for food. He didn't have money to pay his workers, his nannies. Um, he didn't have money for rent. It was just, he was in a very bad, bad place. Um, I approached him. I sent him a message. I asked him if he would like to be partners in this. Um, like, like I had told you, you know, we need to do a nonprofit. We need to start mm-hmm. a nonprofit. There was some gentleman that had adopted from Ethiopia the same time we adopted. And I kept thinking, why won't they do it? You know, they're talking about it too. Why won't they do it? Again, through God, well, why don't you do it? Like, I don't want to. It's <laughs> not my comfort zone. I don't, You're like, isn't my plate full? And I'm like literally stomping my feet. Like, I don't want to. It's too much work. I don't want to do this. Don't you, God, don't you see? I have a special needs kid. I have these toddlers that are terrorists and need to go around with a damage <laughs> deposit. I mean, what do you think I'm made of? I can't do this, you know? So I begrudgingly said, fine. Oh, you're going to help me then. <laughs> yeah, you're going to help me, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I was casually talking to a friend of mine that I was going to do this. Oh, I have a friend. He's an attorney, and he can help you get your 501c3. And yeah. I said, well, I don't have a lot of money to spend on this. He goes, oh, no, he'll do it really inexpensively. And he did it for less than $100. He 
I sat and met with him a couple of times and I had my 501c3 in like eight months, which is like crazy fast. That's unheard of. Unheard of. Yeah. So, um, usually it takes about a year things to pop out. In fact, he was like, well, you got it. <laughs> what are you doing? Are you sure? Yeah. God's involved. Of course I got it. Of course I got it. The agency that we adopted through, um, had been, um, taking monies from a gal that also adopted from Newman because then she could, and then in exchange, claim it on her taxes because they were, a, you know, a 501c3 adoption agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were no longer having staff in Ethiopia. So they knew what I was doing because I was in the process of adopting a girl from Colombia. And um, we talked about it. And they went ahead and hooked her up with me. So she started sending me the money and then I would send it to Ndali. Um, a wonderful couple that was in Ethiopia when I was there and adopted twins a year older than my boys, a boy girl, Frederick, they went ahead and they said they'll, they'll sponsor two kids. So they sponsored twin girls, Mila and Leila, um, that were just tiny at the time. Another gal I met through Facebook who adopted her son from Newman. She said, well, I want to sponsor a child. So she's sponsoring Nourouz, who's 15, and that's the sweetest girl in the world. And my husband and I decided, well, since we were trying to get sponsors, we'll sponsor. So we sponsor a little girl named Fosia, who um, I believe has cerebral palsy. She's, you know, unable to talk. talk. Um, but just heart of gold and smart. That little girl is so smart. So, yeah, we um, just started, and I just, every time we had a need, like we needed to, the government probably caught wind that he had an American helping him, and um, the nannies that had worked for him when he was unable to pay took him to court, and he needed to pay the nannies back salaries. And he wouldn't tell me this. He didn't, he didn't tell me he didn't want to warn me or put extra strain on me, but my friend Sarah, who used to work, for um, MOA, which you guys know about. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's the Women and Children's Services, basically mm-hmm. like our DSHS. Sarah, who actually named my twins in Ethiopia, messaged me and told me that Ndali was being sued for this money. And I was like, well, we got to do something. So I hit up Facebook and my friends and said, hey, I need money. I need this. Within 24 hours, it's there. It's just every time we need um, it's there. And it, it, we move quite a bit because... You pay six months at a time, and then the landlord decides he's going to increase the rent to a ridiculous amount yes. to, up to leave and move somewhere else. Yeah, so everything we need, it's like God's there, and he's just making it happen. And sometimes I, it amazes me that we're able to scrape stuff together when we need it. Working, doing it. I mean, it's really, it really hits home for us, the amount of time we know that our son spent with Ndali. Just for a part of his character, you know, he's never taken a paycheck personally. He lives at the orphanage and he eats there. Sometimes he doesn't even have a bed. Mm. Um, you know, he'll sleep on a bench. Um, it's Those kids are what's important. They're what's first. And that's the most beautiful thing about uh, Misa, one of our nannies, who's our head nanny now, and Rakwa. They stayed. Even when he couldn't pay and the others left, they couldn't leave the children. Rakwa has a family, and she comes in the morning and leaves at night. Anissa has been living at the orphanage since she was 15 years old. She begged for a job at 15. Those kids are her life. They're just, they're just amazing people, and it's easy to help and work with them because their hearts are in the right place. I had no idea, like, watching from the outside. I mean, I knew you, you had started the nonprofit. I didn't know 
I guess it wasn't showing up in my feed and, and, and sad on my part, I wasn't going searching and looking for it as often as I probably should. So I just um, had no idea that all that background information was going on. I knew when we, we helped him, it was in the beginning of it when he was really, you know, asking for help and needing to pay rent and think mm-hmm. what we could, you know, raise through our friend that has a nonprofit. I think it covered what, like maybe one month's rent and some a, food. Like a month and some food. Yeah. He yeah. sent us some pictures of, of the food and things that he purchased. And I'm so thankful that you were working there. Yes. And that, God was working on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Uh, I think when you go to a country like Ethiopia and you really get to know the people and you put yourself in there and you humble yourself in front of them, it's, it's life changing. It, it just changes you. It changes your core of who you are. You just don't look at life the same way. No, you, you know? never do. No. Yeah. Things that you thought were important just aren't important anymore. So it brings it. A whole new light to people say it's a first world problem, and it is. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, yeah. It's really funny because I went from being so excited to finally getting on that plane and leaving Ethiopia when I had my twins, adopting them. To you know, I go and I serve with Indali at the orphanage, and I go home, and we're going back in October, and I want to go now. I mean, not October. Sorry, we're going back in April. October too, but April, um, this next trip. And it's like four months after I get home, I'm, I have to go back. You're ready to go. I, I need to be back. I need to be back with my friends. And I honestly say, these are my friends now. I feel this kinship and friendship. You know, I went from someone who was brushing their teeth with bottled water at a hotel to someone who's drinking home brew in someone's mud stick house in a used water bottle. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's really expanded. Um, I never would have in a million years imagined having coffee with those little ladies that sit on the side of the street in Attic. I'm sure you saw them. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would have dreamed of doing that. And I have no problem doing that now. It's changed me. It's good. And I haven't gotten sick. So that's good, too. That's, <laughs> that's very, very good. good. Yes. That's very good. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I, mean, I can't even... There's no words to really describe it. I really... Look forward to you guys going and spending time there. I'd love to hear about your adventures when you do, because I think you'll just absolutely adore it. Yeah, and we, we can't wait. I'd love to see the kids come back. Yes. Visit. Laura, for our folks mm-hmm. who are listening who may want to help, how can they do that? Um, well, I have a um, Facebook and a, fa- a Facebook page, I guess it's called, um, Newman Children's Home. And if you just put that in the search bar, it should lead you right there. Um, That's the most up-to-date source. I do have a website, Mm newmanchildrenshome.org. Sure, I can't remember. You can look up that, and it'll take you to my website. Um, I'm not good at websites. It's not a totally completed website, so there is pages of just gibberish. Um, Ignore those pages. (laughs) <laughs> absolutely i know i know how that is yeah <laughs> I'm, just, I'm looking for somebody who loves to do that kind of stuff that wants to take over my my website okay so there um, you go folks if, if any of you out there listening who can do squarespace websites and would like to donate your time to do that for this great cause please let would, laura know yes it'd be very much appreciated if you're on facebook you can um Find us there. Um, I'm on Facebook, Laura Bowden. I love to talk about Newman. 
um, and what we've got planned to go on there. We'll definitely post in the show notes how to get in contact with you and the information there. So let's go into that. Tell us a little bit about what you got planned. Okay. So um, what we would like to do, this is our plan. Right now we've been talking with the governments in Ethiopia. We would like to get a land grant to build a compound. The compound would have family-style homes for the children to live in, um, and that would take care of the orphans that are orphans right now um, mm-hmm. and ones that will probably come in the future. Um, the other spoke of that is we want to help you know keep kids from becoming orphans in the first place. Mm-hmm. So how do you do that? Basically, you support women in Ethiopia. Women that are not married, they have no choice but to give up their child or to abandon their child. They don't have a support system for the most part. Um, your family will disown you. No one will marry you. So you really don't have a way of supporting yourself or having support for you when you have this little baby. So what we'd like to do is to have a place where unwed mothers can go and be supported with our nannies, you know, find a way for them to make money, um, be that making injera or making jewelry or sewing. You know, what, what can they do? What can we get them to do that they can be self-sufficient and take care of them and their child? Another way we can help is daycare. And this place is all set and we want to open up a daycare for families so that they don't have to leave their kiddos by themselves on the side of the road watching a cow, right. um, which is common common to see common small children at the age of three walking with a cow with a stick mm-hmm. all by themselves. Um, we want to make it so that we help them. I know, how can we help them to keep their children? Um, that's the best place for those kids Mm -hmm. we all know um yes the family first and if we can keep that family unit together then we'll have less children that are abandoned less children that are relinquished and the other fold of that is to have a place where women can have confidential birth control the sad truth of it is there's a lot of rape you can't stop rape we can't like put a psa out there and just don't do it but we can help an unwanted pregnancy from beginning. It's that women can have confidential birth control. Um, birth control is available in Ethiopia, but a single woman is not going to go get on it because the community is going to talk. They're going to know what she's doing. How can we do that? How can we have a confidential area where they can come? There's a daycare there. If there's things going on there, employment, that's a reason to be there. Nobody knows what they can have done. Nobody knows, you know, that they're seeing a doctor or that they're getting on birth control. Those are the things we really want to get going. You know, be able to grow our own food in this compound. We're going to be able to employ our community. Um, as soon as we get that ball rolling, I'm going to complain to um, Wheels for Water and see if we can get them to ride to make the well there for us when we get it. There's so much ahead that we want to do. That sounds like a lot, but really it's needed, and it's something that I think is a, a very fantastic plan. No, thank you. You have a great story. We are so thankful that you came on with us and shared your story, and we hope that your your story will touch others. Thank you. I'm glad to have this opportunity. Yeah, I just, if you feel like God's telling you to do something, just do it. You know, look back in the Bible. He's never used anybody with a good resume. I love it. You're so right. That's exactly Never. Right. You are so right. He never used the qualified. Exactly. <laughs> so he, he, he keeps doing that. He's using us that 
we don't have all the qualifications. We don't have all that that knowledge under our belts, but he can do. He can make things happen and bring people together. Meet you guys and just say yes. That's my my word to everyone. Say yes. Amen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a that's a good way we can we can uh, end the interview. Is just folks say yes. That is so great, Laura. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we well, certainly appreciate it. So we do okay. have uh, every every episode. We end with our little fun question of where would you patio talk and who with any patio Ooh. anywhere and who with past present hmm fictional. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess I would, I'd want to talk to one of the disciples or Mary. Oh, Mary. Jesus' mother. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be a blast. <laughs> totally. I mean, talk about someone that just went, okay. <laughs> yeah. I would have to ask, did he really, did he park the waters in the bathtub? You know, all the running jokes yeah, about that. Did he, was it hard to get him in the tub? Yeah. Stand on top. He's standing on top of it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, seriously, if it could be anybody in the world, could you imagine having to sit down with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and just kind of hearing her story because i think they only touch it just a little bit in the bible i mean there's got to be something so much more to this little 13 year old girl you know has to be yes yeah so yeah that would be a fun one talking about saying yes lord yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) she said yes (laughs) (laughs) she sure did (laughs) notice all the males always say go first in the bible yes Let it be your She's will. Okay. Like, okay. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Where would that patio be? Where would that patio be? Hmm. Gosh, you know, um, in Ethiopia. Yeah, I kind of had a feeling you'd say that. I did too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in Ethiopia. I would have to kind of sneak in, sneak in on that patio so I can listen. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. For sure. Well, I think your answer just really touches on your character. You have a mother's heart. Absolutely. Thank you. We are just blessed to be able to sit down and have this conversation with you. And we're so thankful that, uh, that you said yes to come on the show. Well, thank you for having me. Sometimes I use the word amazing way too much. But I'm going to say this about... Laura's story. It's amazing. And I have to agree with you. Okay. I know, folks, that you may hear us say that word a lot, but it's true. We were so fortunate to get to sit down and talk with Laura. And we even talked after we recorded for so long, just because we have so many things that we wanted to talk about with Ethiopia. It's something that's near and dear to our heart, but it may not be near and dear to everyone's heart. So we didn't want to take up your time by talking all of those things that may be all about Ethiopia for us. But what we did want to talk about was Laura and her husband's willingness to say yes. It was amazing. Just to see, there's that there word again. Go. There's that amazing. word again. It was extraordinary. How about that? To hear her talk about just saying yes. And that was so beautiful. You know, for Cindy and I, we said yes a long time ago for one particular person. What is so great about Laura's story is she's saying yes to so many so many and we are so thankful that she is and folks we want to let you know 
that if you want to help out with any of the causes that Laura is involved with, you can do that. We did talk about it when we were interviewing her about her website, but I want to give it to you again. It's it's newmanchildrenshome.org. Newman is spelled N-U-M-A-N. Newmanchildrenshome.org. You can also follow her on Facebook at Newman Children's Home Facebook group. So if there's anything that you feel led to do, you want to join, you want to join in and what's going on, please do follow those groups. And I promise you that she'll keep you up to date. Yes, she's definitely a woman that is seeing what needs to be done and making things happen. Makes me think of the scripture, James 1.22. Do not merely listen to the word, but do what it says. And that's definitely, you know, what we're hearing play out in her story. Yeah, it certainly is. That also then leads me into leads me into another James scripture, uh, which is two eight. Love your neighbor as yourself, and um, I think that's more than than just your neighbor next door. It's it's the person in need. It's the child that needs a home. It's orphan care. It's people that just lost everything in a ravaging tornado and need help picking up literally picking up the sticks of their life and helping them through a very difficult time. Yeah, it certainly is. So it's just loving who's in front of you, whoever God puts there in, in your in front of your face, loving them. That's exactly what you do. Exactly. Just say yes. Yeah, you just say yes. So the title of our episode this week is Just Say Yes, and it's because Laura and her husband, Matt, have said yes. And I really just, I'm going to go back again to what her husband said at the memorial service for their son, Troy. I can't say no. I'm not going to say no. And I thought that was just so beautiful. So, folks, we're going to just leave you with that. I know it's been a longer episode than we normally do, but it was so great to hear Laura's story. It was so fascinating. We also want to just let you know, please be praying for the people of Nashville and the people of Putnam County and Wilson County in Tennessee. There have been... um, so many lost lives and so many homes that have just been destroyed we just want you to please keep them in your prayers guys we love you and we thank you so much for listening you can uh, continue the conversation on our facebook page at the patio talk podcast discussion group you can also follow us on our on our socials at instagram or twitter at patio talk pod we do have a website patiotalkpod.net don't forget to rate us especially for you folks that listen through itunes yes please do please give us a five-star rating we would like to get that out there so more people can hear these stories from our guests to be an inspiration to them so please if you are listening and you've listened to us multiple times please give us a rating we'd love to have that and a five-star rating would be great so thank you for listening today tomorrow this evening tonight whenever it is you're listening that's a wrap 